RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Saturday Night Livestream. Hope everyone out there is having a lovely day. We have a massive, massive update on the Foxhole and Pill.net, pretty much bringing together all of the best features of both of them. I highly recommend you play around with it on your phone and your computer. It's awesome. A lot of cool stuff on there. Thank you very much to everyone out there. Oh, you know what? Are we live on Rumble? Yes, we are live on Rumble. Okay, good stuff. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. I appreciate you being here. I am continuing my conversation tonight with my friend Ivan Raiklin. <clears throat> you know, when we spoke at the moment of truth, we kind of left it at a cliffhanger. I know we continued to speak when we had that roundtable, but we're taking it in a different direction tonight. We're going to be looking at special, oh, yeah, yeah, special agent Joseph Bianca third. He is a name from Spygate that you all probably remember. Where is he? Why did we have this embargo on his name for so long? Why was the FBI hiding him? I don't know. I think there's a lot we can learn from Joseph Pienka third. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be discussing, I'm certain, a whole bunch of other topics. So hope you guys are ready. Sit back, relax, grab your popcorn. We're going to be right back after this very quick word from our sponsor. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. My guest had to step away for just a moment, but it is me, Zach Payne, from Red Pill News, here with my guest for this evening, Mr. Ivan Raiklin. Ivan, how are you, buddy? Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, know. I just had, I had to close the door because there was some sound coming through. Okay. Nah, great to be here again. I'm excited. I love I love this format. I love your show. I've gotten acquainted with you and your show. I've looked at a few episodes. Wow. Surprised I didn't know about you earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I that that's only the stuff that I've made since I got deleted from, from YouTube and Twitter. I mean, there was like another eight hundred programs out there before that. Wow. So you know, I've been uh, I've been doing it a long time, hot and heavy for seven days a week for a long time and then had to slow down to six days a week. And now uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, still plugging along because we've got a country to save. There's a lot of good information out there that we need to get out to the people and a lot of discussions, I think, that we can have. You know, um, I before we really get into the meat of the subject tonight, Ivan, I don't know mm -hmm. that everybody here. Uh, necessarily saw the first interview that we did or the, the roundtable that we did. But um, I wanted to give people just a, a little uh, introduction to who you were again, because when we first met, you were employed, you were still working at uh, DIA. Now you are retired, you're a private citizen, you have a lot more that you can say. Tell us a little bit about your career path and how you got here. Yeah, and I do this in a manner just so that people understand my background, right? And uh, I couldn't say much, like you said previously, uh, but now I have my First Amendment fully back, restored uh, after 25 years of service to our country uh, in different capacities, whether it be as active duty, National Guard, reserves, 
government civilian as well as a contractor. And during those 25 years, I had the opportunity uh, to serve in different capacities, tactical, operational, strategic intelligence uh, in the fields of counterintelligence, which we're going to probably talk about a little bit here uh, tonight as it applies to the FBI. Uh, also, human intelligence and uh, analysis. And I've also, you know, I culminated my career as a civilian, if you will, uh, teaching for three and a half years to our international partners, as well as uh, U.S. intelligence community officials at the junior, mid-level, and sometimes senior level. Uh, so basically critical thinking, analysis, right? And all, everything that entails. And also in terms of leadership positions, I've uh, had the opportunity to serve as a detachment commander and a company commander in special forces. So that's why uh, sometimes people have seen uh, information there about me that I was a former Green Beret commander. And I've had, I've served in Afghanistan and let's see here, uh, Middle East, Jordan, also as a military diplomat in the Republic of Georgia. I've served in the Pentagon on the Army staff and the Joint Staff. Uh, joint Staff work was on the Ukraine crisis team in 2014. So that might be for another episode on kind of the foreign policy components of it. Right? I'd love to have a conversation about Victoria Newland next time you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, let's see where else. And I've done a couple of domestic operations. So I've served in the Texas, Mississippi Massachusetts, New York, and Iowa National Guards, and serving, uh, doing counter-flood stuff, post-9-11 in New York, at the New York National Guard, as well as domestically in Texas, uh, uh, when Hurricane Harvey came through, we were doing some humanitarian assistance support there, as well as, uh, I was at the National Guard Bureau when Hurricane Katrina kicked through uh, Louisiana, oh, and uh, Southern U.S. That's so, probably so, it. Oh, and also, yeah. So I've countered ISIS, Taliban, MS-13, Russian aggression. I forgot to mention El Salvador and Honduras. Right but that's on. pretty much the preponderance of, you know, that's kind of staying pretty busy over the last quarter of a century, uh, participating in our main adversaries throughout the globe. Uh, and then uh, the other component that I failed to mention was uh, a little bit different. So while I did the three and a half years of teaching, the last three years, I had been in the reserves as a technology scout in Silicon Valley, focused on uh, early stage companies that were working on projects in the AI, mixed reality and gaming space that were interested in in providing and selling that technology to the Army and the broader national security arena. So I have a very varied, diversified portfolio of, of touch points, if you will as it applies to big tech, as it applies to the intelligence community, special operations community, defense. So over those 25 years, you can imagine the networks that are created, right? Um, uh, amidst that ecosystem, which, you know, helps, hopefully helps shape my analysis, right? A little bit. Right. So now that I'm completely out. Now I wanted you I wanted you to say that because I want people to understand, you know, why it is that I'm interested in your perspective. You know, I mean, you have been a patriot serving your nation in a lot of different roles in a lot of ways that I think uh can benefit uh helping people to uh, perhaps get a different perspective and understand 
why we're saying things are are happening in the way that they are and why we're speculating that maybe they're happening in this way or that. Uh, you know, and I think anybody who watches the show knows that I don't like to necessarily just invite people here that are going to co-sign the uh, opinion that I already have. <laughs> I like hearing things from a different perspective because I think it's a lot more interesting that way. And I want to get into Joseph Pienka right after I give this announcement on uh, a friend of mine. Ivan, I had a friend of mine, a uh, longtime supporter of the show that was involved in a, a really horrific motorcycle accident this last week. He was riding oh. to work. He uh, went headlong into a large animal, killed the animal. Uh, he's been dealing with uh, some serious brain swelling, a lot of head, facial, uh, uh, lung injuries, uh, and it's been kind of touch and go for the last couple of days. But his family posted an update on the Give, Send, Go, and I literally just got the notification. Um, his name is uh, Green Card, son of a green card. Uh, apparently, his brain swelling is now stabilizing, and if it yeah. continues yeah. to do so, uh, the neurosurgeon there is going to begin assessing the, his brain's activity and status more thoroughly. Um, and apparently the doctors are constantly shocked at how well he's doing, and they don't understand how the swelling in his face has decreased so significantly uh, or how he is reacting to touch when his wife is reading him prayers and uh, showing support from the people out here in the audience. But obviously, I think that that's due to uh, our continued faith and, and the prayers and well wishes that we're sending to him. So... His wife, Mrs. Greencard, wants everybody to know that it is looking better. It's certainly better than it was yesterday. Uh, so keep the prayers flowing. If you are interested in helping out, you can search uh, for Son of a Green Card on Give, Send, Go. Uh, he lives in an area where there is no trauma center. There is no surgical center. He had to be life-flighted to uh, a, a hospital very far away. And so his wife and their children had to find a place to stay. They're paying basically to live in a hotel uh, while he's in the hospital. He's got a long road ahead of him. Uh, so if you can help out, please do. If uh, you can only send prayers, then please go to the Give, Send, Go uh, and leave a prayer on the on the account for him. And they'll see that and they're really going to appreciate it. So let's no, uh, that's no. Go ahead. If I may, I, I'd like to make a comment on that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, I That's horrible because I've had a couple of friends. Uh, my former battalion commander was in a car in a motorcycle accident. Uh, he didn't make it. And then there's another. Uh, luckily, he made it through that. Because, I mean, being on a motorcycle is very dangerous, obviously, uh, especially in a car accident or something like that. And then as far as traumatic brain injury, that's no joke. Uh, I've served with folks that were blown up in combat. And if you can get the swelling of the brain uh, dissipated as quickly as possible, and it sounds like it is, uh, he should be on his road, road to recovery, uh, I'm hoping. Uh, but that's that's the biggest problem because essentially – what happens when you have a concussion like that, your brain expands and it's pushing up against your skull, has nowhere to go. And that's what that's where the damage occurs. And so hopefully they were able to you know, lower the swelling to a point where it's manageable. Otherwise, massive migraines. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a very good news. Uh, it was pretty distressing yesterday having to talk about it and figure out what was going on. So I'm really, really glad to be able to get that update. Uh, so let's go back to uh, the day that we met at the Moment of Truth Summit, and uh, mm -hmm. we kind of did a two-hour speed run through, uh, you know, <laughs> reviewing everything that had happened, <laughs> going far back beyond President Trump's term in office. And, uh, you know, we had uh, we had certainly touched on Joe Pianca, uh, and we left it at the point at which we were going to discuss a solution to everything that had happened since then. 
Uh, now, since that time, Ivan, seems that Joe Biden and the regime and the FBI and the DOJ, they have more than doubled down. They have quadrupled down. Uh, this week, we had something like 50 or more Trump confidants that were raided by the FBI, have their homes searched. Uh, we have God knows uh, what's been taken. It appears they're looking for uh, people who were connected to uh, efforts to investigate the election in 2020. Uh, that was pretty much their last ditch effort, uh, in my opinion, to make sure that Trump didn't stick around. Uh, at the same time, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's really exposed them uh, as the deep state criminal uh, cabal that they are. Uh, and it's woken up a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that uh, we can simply just allow it to stand. You know, that's not a good enough reason to allow, allow this to happen. We got to do something to fix it. And uh, I truly do believe that the the ultimate goal in a cosmic sort of sense, you know, spiritual sense, is to get Americans to the point where they do start fighting back, not in like a kinetic sense, uh, but in like a philosophical and, uh, you know, kind of uh, an activism sense. Uh, so let's go here to your idea for what we need to do to solve this. And I'm assuming that Joe Pianca is a big piece of it. We, uh, we have some of his testimony pulled up. Uh, from when he uh, testified for the Judiciary Committee uh, and Lindsey Graham and a couple of those people. Uh, but uh, so what do you think about Joe Pienka? I mean, he is actively now apparently working in the San Francisco field office. It appears that he's been hidden away. They don't want anybody to speak to him. Yeah, we ended it on the note of like, how do we fix this? So how do we fix this? I think we're starting to see this. We have to get to the truth, right? Right now, our country has been in this comatose state for the last two years, the information psychosis, the mask formation psychosis, right, as I call it. And uh, I, I really think that they're – like Steve Bannon mentioned it maybe a couple days ago when he was again arrested, right, that the regime is on its last dying breath. Mm -hmm. You know when some – you've seen that or heard about it where when a – a body is about to die. There's that last convulsion, right? Yes. Literally, that's what I see going on, not with the country, but with an institution within our federal government. And that primarily is our FBI and DOJ. And then the question is like, why is that and how do we fix it? And I, I think that all roads lead to who was the original white hat. And as I'm reviewing and reading the transcript, the 175-page transcript of his testimony, Joseph Pienka III, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, where you had uh, – count. let's actually go to the first page and take a look. I think that's probably the most important thing. If we go to that first page and see who is in that room and do the quick assessment between you and I on why so many people are there – and the particular individuals that are there. So as you pull that up, this is from Thursday, August 27th of 2020. Mm -hmm. So that's four years after Joseph Pianka was sent in, uh, I should say, August, July, July 31st of 2016 is when Crossfire Hurricane was initiated uh, by Peter Struck and maybe higher, right? And, it's, and in his testimony... He's not quite sure on some of this stuff, but they pull him in and ask him lots of questions regarding the IG report, Horowitz, remember, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, his perspective on things. Now, let's take a look. Senate Judiciary Committee, they have chief investigative counsel for 
the chairman, right? A couple of them, senior investigative counsel, Arthur Radford Baker, Lee Holmes, Esquire, chief counsel, the chairman, Lindsey Graham. Remember that name? We always talk about Lindsey Graham. Yes. Sarah's Deb, Esquire, senior counsel, Charlotte, uh, Joseph Charlotte. And that's for Senator Feinstein, who was the ranking member for the Democrats. And then you have, look at all these other attorneys. So you have the, you know, the Judiciary Lawrence Committee Burger. represented that are asking the questions. And then for the witness, he has his own personal defense counsel, the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Berger. And then you have Van Shikovich, James Kukios, and then you scroll wait, wait, wait. down some more. For Morrison Forrester from Washington, oh, yeah, from Morrison Forrester. Oh, the, the FBI has their own legal team. And then team, now but... let's take a look. FBI has redacted three of their counsel from their Office of General Counsel. Wow, that's that's pretty significant, wouldn't you think? Yes. I and, think so. And then and the, the Department D- of DOJ Justice is doing the same thing. Has their own senior counsel. They also have their legislative affairs attorney so in total you have five attorneys representing the doj slash fbi to make sure that joseph pientka the third does not say anything that i argue would implicate the fbi and the doj's interests mm-hmm. because we we will find out later and we can kind of just do a quick overview of it here is well let's let's pause there why, why do you think that what are some hypotheses we can come up with and why so many individuals lawyers are out there you know, well I, to me it, it and I, like, you know i shouldn't ask you questions because right <laughs> I, I got I, I got slammed for last time for asking you questions so well, I'll, let me just, I'll say i'll <laughs> say I this slam for talking too much <laughs> i'll say this this time i'll say this this time and then, uh, and then you can just go ahead and tell me your opinion after this. But to me, <laughs> it lo- it looks like, and I feel like this has been uh, been been shown pretty demonstrably that the FBI and the DOJ have a lot to hide. They've been running this operation, trying to destroy President Trump uh, since the moment he walked down that escalator. They're worried about what Joe Pienka is going to say. They're worried that he has something that he may say that would incriminate them. Now, up until this point. Uh, Joe Pienka hasn't come out and overtly said, you know, there was bad stuff happening. But the very fact, the very fact that he attempted to validate the dossier, the very fact that he was the only one who cared enough (laughs) to go ahead and do that, that that shows that Joseph Pienka is probably having a crisis of conscience, had a crisis of conscience. Okay, and that his presence in front of the Judiciary Committee is a danger to that chain of events that took place over the course of President Trump's presidency before and and now after as well. And so that's why they don't want those lawyers uh, to be uh, to be named either, uh, because that could potentially, again, lead back to perhaps whoever's in charge or uh, just leave another paper trail. This th- that appears to me to be something unusual, though, Ivan. I mean, am I wrong here? I mean, is, have you have you taken a look at many uh, 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 testimony transcripts like this? I personally have never seen the lawyers for the FBI and the DOJ redacted like that. No, it's uh, I don't normally you know make it a point to look at these transcripts, but this is such a significant case. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've never seen a spying on a campaign before like this. 
So as I look through this, the, here's the theme so that we're not going through every single one of the 175 pages. Sure. The theme you can see here on your own as you read through it is that at any time, two big components here, any time that the Judiciary Committee, whether it's you know, the ranking member or the chairman's uh, counsel, are asking Joseph Pienka about his knowledge of the original Woods file that he approved and comparing it to the reconstructed Woods file that was signed off by the FISA court, mm -hmm. his attorney says, I'm not going to let him answer that. <laughs> so what does that mean to simple-minded people like me? Yes, by the way, I didn't mention, yes, I'm an attorney for those that didn't know. <laughs> uh, focus on constitutional national security issues. And so the question that I ask, that I would ask uh, Joseph Pienka would be, why are you not talking about that? My guess is that there, there could be two things going on here. One, when the IG report came out, and then later on, earlier this year, there was another IG report that came out that there, there was an average, I think, of over a dozen errors in every single of the 20-plus FISA uh, Woods packages that were presented before the FISA court that they checked into had an error or omission, basically an illegality to it. Right. So that's basically, it could be him pleading the fifth because, you know, you get busy with life and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go through the motions and rubber stamp something. Mm -hmm. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that the original FISA that Joseph Pienka, or I should say, let me just clarify. The FISA warrant is just a small file uh, warrant requested to the FISA court. And then the underlying evidence to support that is called a Woods file under the Woods procedure. And there's an entire process and it could be a lot of evidence to support it. So that Woods file is essentially the entire file to pre of predicate to then showcase to the FISA court that, yes, this is an absolutely legitimate ex parte request to spy on an American citizen, mm -hmm. right? Because on paper, procedurally, you know, everything looks good and kosher. If the public viewed it, it's like, okay, it makes sense, legit. But you have to follow that to make it legit. If you don't follow it, that's when we start getting into corruption, right, and cover-ups. So my guess is that that original Woods document that he reviewed, because it wasn't him that put it together, it was one of his subordinates, mm -hmm. and his name is not listed in the transcript. So we'll probably be able to find it out, but right now we're, we're not there yet. So he reviewed it and probably signed off on it. And it was probably pretty legit, but I'm guessing subsequently what was sent over and signed off and sent to the FISA court was different. But rather than have Joseph Pienka lie that the two were so different, he either responds with, his attorney steps in and says he can't say that, or he responds with, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the usual, I don't remember. The typical now, lapse of memory. Someone, right. right. You can't, when you're answering questions in that same vein, very accurately, very accurately, and then all of a sudden I can't remember, you don't want to say, because if you do say, you're either implicating yourself or others, and he just doesn't want to deal with that. The heat, right? Better just to plead the fifth and not say anything at all. Right. And so yeah. I I lean more towards he's saying that in 
order to protect the institution. Sure. Because he probably, I don't know, this is just my gut feeling based on reading it again. Because it was a while, you know, it was what almost two years ago when I yeah. first reviewed it. And I'm looking at it now in the context of what's been going on with the raid and all these other activities. Uh, I really am leaning more towards this guy is, is more than likely a white hat where he tried to do the right thing. Uh, he's just trying to do good for his family, right? But there are some indicators that, as we talked about before you pressed uh, play mm-hmm. on this uh, or went live on this, that may make it so that maybe, you know, there might be some hush activity going in his way to continue to not talk about it publicly because he, he's been scraped off the entire Internet. Absolutely. And his wife as well. I mean, you can't find anything about either of them. The only I mean, you can find Joe Pienka's name referenced in terms of Spygate and coverage in conservative media. But but that's it. I mean, there's nothing official about him, um, you know, and uh, we were saying earlier that he's supposedly out in San Francisco, but we can't tell for sure because they took his name off the website. He's he's not there mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes. Oh, but it's clear that, they that, don't want anybody uh, looking into him. They don't want anybody talking to him. But I also want to say, uh, you know, and I, I say this a lot. People might get, you know, tired of me saying this, but, you know, I just I, I don't I don't believe that it's always as clear cut as, you know, white hat or black hat. There are good people who make bad decisions and there are bad people who will occasionally do something that will surprise you. So it's very possible that at the outset, you know, that uh, that initial Woods information was brought to him and Maybe it was thin, but they were like, listen, trust me on this. Trump is a Russian asset. We've got the goods. We'll show you later. And then that's when they hand him, they hand Bruce Orr over to him. And he realizes that he is now handling uh, an attorney at the DOJ. And he's like, well, you know, this is highly irregular, but let's give it a shot. Because why would the entirety of the FBI, the institution that he's been a part of for so long, why would it steer me wrong? After all this time, he thinks he was a good guy, thinks he was doing the right thing. But then when it comes down to it, he realized this is just my speculation. But Mm -hmm. when he actually sees the Steele dossier in its entirety, has the opportunity to kind of look through it. That's when he's like, you know what? I I better see YA on this one. I better look into it. it. Better check it out. Exactly. And let's go to page 107. Can you bring that up? Yeah. Yeah. Let me. uh, And I think mine, I'll have to close mine up because it just froze on me. If you go to page 107 of that particular transcript, it talks about the second component because we started off with the first one. The second component is literally when Bill Priestap, and that name needs to be remembered as well because it's going to get interesting as it applies to me particularly as well. Retired FBI agent Bill Priestap. I'm just going to ask folks that are out there, please send me a message on what you find on his nephew. Bill Priestap's <laughs> nephew. Oh, let me take a note on that one. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to be coy, but I just got to be careful. I don't want to. I'm just going to throw it out there. Who is his nephew and connect that back to maybe okay. something that happened to me. We could be in the middle of some future lawsuit. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll look into, I'll dive into that when we're not on the air. Okay. So page seven, 107. Pardon well, no, 107. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 107. This is the process. This is what we do. This is what we always do. 
I recognize the significance of his reporting, the use in a FISA application. I had questions about our Intel validation was going in about I had questions about our Intel validation was going in the counterintelligence division. And all of that contributed to my professional disagreement, disagreement with the validity of the Steele dossier. Right. Let me just let me also say this. Yeah. Pre-STAP is excuse me. uh, uh, Pienka is the only person at the FBI or the DOJ, as far as I can tell, that stood up and said anything about it. So just that fact alone pushes me a little bit closer to White Hat. Absolutely. So then you go to line 11. Were your concerns considered or was the stopping of the process determined wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, determined by Mr. Priestap and that was the law of the land? I'm assuming he considered them. All right, so you can take a look here. He's basically talking about, hey, can you guys go through this normal procedure we go through, which is to not only are we going to internally within our team do a counterintelligence vetting of the source, meaning steel, and then the subsources to steal, mm-hmm. but we need to have the external entity that specifically focuses on doing the, uh, I don't know if you call it ops testing or whatever they call it in, in the FBI. And guess what Bill Precept said, the head of counterintelligence. He said, no, we're not going to do that because guess what? Uh, we have a lot of leaks and we don't want this. This is a very sensitive case and we don't want any leaks. And that alone supposedly was the reason why Bill Priest, or excuse me, why Joe Pienka said, you know what? I'm off this case. Now, let's let's chew on this a little bit. Do you think that that was the only reason? No, no, I think that that is. I don't think so. That is that's the uh, that's a single plausible reason. And that's the public. That's one of the the public publicly facing right for this right because i mean the other ones are oh gosh yeah i mean well i mean i just said you know the fact that it was bruce Orr that was handing the information over uh if uh if if uh pianka did any type of research and maybe found a connection with any of those other people to christopher Steele, which there was and then found out it was Steele that was handing the data over to to or which he would have you know, that would have been another reason. It, the whole thing stunk to high heaven. I mean, there is a million different ways that he could have just taken a step back or, you know, gone 30,000 feet and taken a look at what was happening and said, you know, this is making me all kinds of uncomfortable. Not to mention, yes, the subject yes. of the investigation was President Donald Trump. And then we also had the investigation into Michael J. Flynn, you know, or excuse me, uh, Michael Flynn. He. Yeah, Flynn. yes. So many, so many different <laughs> reasons there. Sorry, I was thinking Donald J. Trump and then Michael Flynn. <laughs> they, they merged in my head. <laughs> no, absolutely. So those are the two main components. That's the theme, really, where... You know, the timeline on this, the, the key components of the timeline is July 31st, Crossfire Hurricanes launched. August uh, 17th was when, of 2016, that is. Pienka comes up and is asked by Pete Strzok to do a strategic intelligence briefing of the Trump campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Where, it's, where it's candidate Trump, Chris Christie, and General Flynn. And anytime Russia is brought up, right, he's supposed to take note of it. He comes back. And I think it was, what, January, I believe the 6th is when he said, you know what, I'm out. January 6th of 2017, which is the day after the CYA memo by, what's her name? 
Oh, uh, national security advisor back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about her earlier today it's not Condoleezza Rice, uh, but it's, no. um, uh, it's Susan Rice, Susan Rice, Susan Rice. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Remember, like, think, I think it was like three emails she sent herself. If one. Yeah. Yeah. She oh, said, we're basically, we're doing everything CY. by the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything by the book. No cheating here. <laughs> so let's think through this. If you're spying on the Trump campaign, and you got this FISA for Carter Page that Joseph Pienko was like, yeah, the one that I signed, probably not the same one that was sent over the FISA court. And I don't think, and this is conjecture, mm-hmm. and I don't think there should have been a predicate for that, but they did did it anyway. And so that's why I'm out, because mm-hmm. I had a disagreement with Bill Priestap. Okay? So if you're spying on the campaign you're probably going to know everything going on. So at what point, this is a question for General Flynn. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he, he can probably remember the answer. <laughs> and President Trump. And one other person. That's the source for my info. <laughs> nice. The At what point did President Trump offer the National Security Advisor role to General Flynn? What day was that? Well, and mean, then was, if we was, find out what day that was, I think we're going to see immediately immediate activity by the FBI and DOJ to then reignite this case to take out Flynn. Wouldn't it make sense? Because if you're listening sure. in on everything, right, and you know what's going on real time pretty much, you would expect that that same day or the next day is when they probably re- – that's why there was that shuffle, I'm sure, where it went from – oh, we're going to close the case on Flynn to, oh, we're going to reopen it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think they, that's... Did, didn't they send pre-stamp into a briefing with President Trump and, and General Flynn at some point? Was that uh, during the no, campaign? No, that was Pienka. That I'm, was sorry, Pienka. I'm sorry, Pienka, Pienka. Yeah, Joseph Pienka in August. Yeah. Uh, I think I have it here on page 125. Yep, 125, I believe it is. And this is off memory, right? I just recently. No, I'm sorry. 124. Page 124, August 17, 2016 is when uh, that mm-hmm. Intel brief was, yeah. was done. And he's like, this is the first time I've ever done one of these. Who told you that you were going to do a defensive counter Intel briefing? Peter Strzok. Mm-hmm. What was your response to his instruction? When is the briefing? I asked when the briefing was. Do you recall how far in advance this was? A week, maybe, I believe. And then uh, basically he says he was uh, he was aware that the president at the time, Obama, wanted to ensure that everyone received an FBI counterintelligence security briefing, both candidates. Uh huh. So I would imagine that, if, if Pienka, if if if, um, if Pienka is a good guy, OK, he's just a career FBI agent who, who's following orders and trying to do his job right. I would imagine that this, you know, one order right here would have been very unsettling to him because this is not the standard protocol. Certainly not something that you do to uh, a presidential candidate or in, an incoming president. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's quite clear that there was a very deliberate witch hunt going on, uh, not only to destroy President Trump, but also to ensure that Mike Flynn would never come back into government. Um, yeah, I mean, I think from his perspective, he... It looks like he initially thought the predicate was legitimate to start, right? Mm-hmm. And then all the media hype fed into it. 
But then as he got into it and did it by the book, it just didn't seem, you know, it didn't, didn't pass the smell test. Mm -hmm. And get this, you provided the identical briefing to the Trump, then candidate Trump and his two advisors, as you did to secretary Clinton, question mark, answer secretary Clinton and vice president Pence and Kane, Tim Kane, who made the decision to take struck out. I don't know. So I mean, you go through this, you go through this transcript. It gives a little bit of light. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it, it the interview occurred what in August of 2020. It wasn't released until I believe January of 2021 after the certification. Hmm, interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And so it begs the question. And then the next question is, who who are all the individuals that are redacted? And then the next question after that is. Do those individuals that are redacted somehow match up with those that are conducting the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Yes. Yes. That you know would be I mean? interesting. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, real briefly here, I just need to say thank you to a couple of people over on Rumble. Alive and Thriving says, God bless Green Card. God bless you, Zach, and God bless you, Ivan. Uh, and then uh, Nicotim7 says, I've been with you since day one. I appreciate all your research and guests. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, that would be extremely interesting to see what that list is. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm really interested to see who was raided in the last week. You know, like uh, which of President Trump's associates. Yeah, I was wondering uh, if you picked up on that, because I know Harmeet Dillon said it was numbers of 50. Yeah, I started Uh, 35, then I heard 35. I would trust Harmeet. You know, I mean, she's closer. You know, she's still in orbit uh, if you will, because, you know, she's actively employed by the president. But uh, Steve Bannon, obviously still a close associate, but there's probably some other people who, you know, maybe didn't publicize it, uh, maybe spoke directly with Harmeet about it. I would imagine that these people, anybody who who was raided, uh, they're probably going to be coordinating in some fashion in a legal sense uh, so that they can understand what the rationale is for each of them and if there was any overlap or if there's anything different that FBI agents are looking for at somebody else's house. I'm not a lawyer, but that just makes sense to me. You know, no, I think so. You mentioned this earlier and I wanted to touch on this point and just reminded me of it. The regime's on its last leg because the, you know, the, the illegal election was certified mm-hmm. in February of 2021 when we were at, uh, right at the apex of the Senate, the illegal Senate, trial for the impeachment if you will mm-hmm. about 20 you know, at that point point if you took a poll the rasmussen poll said that 23 percent, i believe of the country felt that the election was there was enough illegalities if you will to to change the outcome of the election which mm-hmm. was the lowest point 23 percent. and then we moved to i think it was uh 56.3 percent going into september of last year and then by december the, the poll was 59 percent Guess what poll came out this last week when it incorporated the covering up of the Hunter Biden laptop story as was clearly not even evidence admitted by Mark Zuckerberg on Joe Rogan's podcast. Right. I think that was what, two weeks ago at this point. Mm -hmm. When you factor that in, it's 79 percent. Oh, yeah. And I I said way back. Don't don't forget the speech. Don't forget Joe Biden's speech uh, attacking 70 percent. That doesn't even include the the speech. Well, if you only factor that stuff in, like it's still like 70 percent of the country. That's like, whoa, 79, 
No, now percent of the country is basically saying, yeah, "Yeah, uh, they probably wouldn't have voted for it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So that's assuming the legitimacy of the election, right? Which we know that's we can't assume that. Sure. Because it's been debunked. (laughs) But let's just use that as a figure. When you're dealing with 79 percent and you juxtapose it with the constitutional framework, in order to amend, abolish or change the Constitution, it requires three quarters of the state's legislatures. Seventy nine percent is four percentage points above three quarters last time I checked. Yeah. So that is why when you take that poll and then if you're sitting, if you know, if you're a rational actor within whatever you call, you know, within that cabal that's currently squatting in the White House, right? And you're trying to maintain power, you have to conduct these massively escalatory illegal acts, meaning raids, because you're trying to go after those that are showcasing in a convincing, compelling manner to the country that this is a total sham. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of on the, we're almost there. I think we're to remedy. Uh, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the more desperate they appear, uh, the more socially acceptable it becomes to question their motives uh, and uh, and to yeah, actually, yeah. you know, analyze, you know, what these uh, what the crimes are and, and you know, really what the hell is going on here. Uh, you guys, if, if if I missed a super chat over there on Rumble, I'm sorry. I, I'm uh, I'm trying to pay attention to all of the various chats and then Ivan and the notes that I have over here at the same yeah, time. You got a lot. Yeah. So, so uh, I Red, have... just but Lisa, if you're out there and you saw something that I missed, just let me know and I'll make sure to call it out. I'm sorry, Ivan, go ahead. No, so you just reminded me. I forgot. I have a <laughs> I have a recording of a very senior individual within the Department of Justice that was uh provided to me. And uh I don't like to give up my sources and methods. But let's just say it was during the first term of the Trump presidency, and it basically outlines when we talked about. Remember with uh, John Culture, it is firsthand. Mm-hmm. Somebody at the senior level within the DOJ essentially espousing the culture that they had, and that culture at those senior levels really mirrors. Remember uh, what's his name? Not Cipollone. Yeah, maybe Pat Cipollone. Pat Cipollone, Trump, he was a Trump attorney. Yeah, at the White House. Yeah. So they basically convey they're of the mindset that the election was legit and that the president had to leave and concede completely. Because guess what? They didn't really look at the evidence. No, no. It was this. They took CNN's show word me the for evidence. It. <laughs> All right, wait, wait, don't show me yet. Yeah. Okay, now show me. Wait. Let me close my ears, my eyes. That's right. That's right. I've maybe seen my ta- nothing maybe to my indicate the <laughs> Right. Maybe my taste buds will pick up on mm. maybe some sort of Braille communication of evidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the most frustrating things. It's like we're getting gaslit by all these people. You know, the, the people with voices who are, are uh, out there doing the rounds on these news programs saying over and over again, you know, I've seen nothing to indicate that there was, uh, you know, any malfeasance in the election or that there was any election fraud or even any voter fraud. There's nothing, nothing I've seen. And uh, and then when people do investigations and bring forth evidence that, you know, oh, yeah, these 
crazy people spending a bunch of money and all we got to do is move on. Just go ahead. You know, hail mm-hmm. Biden. <laughs> right, right, right. So now going back to Pienka, remember the last episode we did? Mm-hmm. It was, yes, we need, you need to interview him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've looked for him. Believe me, I've, I've looked. <laughs> I can't find a damn thing. Well, hold on, hold on. Reading through this transcript, yeah, again, and seeing that he at this moment in time they asked him about his experience, sixteen years of experience. At what point does he hit twenty years and is eligible for retirement? Oh gosh, you'll have to tell me. I I don't have that pulled up. I'm just throwing – no, no, I don't know the answer. A lot of times I don't know the answer. I'm just asking to buy some time to figure out oh, what oh, okay. it is. But so what? So this was this – We're was, just trying to do the math together here. Well, if he – so wait, this was 2019? When this, this was 2020, so – 2020 when this – okay, so 16 years. So he would have started in, in 2004 then if he had 16 no, years No, but of was it 16 years at the time he was – Well, if he was being He was conducting the investigation, then he's over 20. So by this point, yeah, he's over 20, you're saying. So if he's over 20, I think he's in a better position to really, you know, consider, am I going to continue to keep this under wraps, right? Well, here's the thing. If, 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 if Pianka leaves the FBI, I think that he's got less cover than he does if he stays with the FBI, even if it's in, even if it's uncomfortable and even if he believes it to be illegal, what's been happening. Because, mm-hmm. you know, so he got promoted. First of all, they hid him. Uh, once he left the investigation, they basically boxed over every piece of his name on any documents Everything. everywhere. <laughs> they they scrubbed him from the Internet. And then they took him as far as they could from Washington, D.C. They moved him from exactly. D.C. to San Francisco. OK, by the he, way, with the highest basic allowance for housing, which we were talking about that earlier. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's the amount of money you get for being in a particular locality within the you know, U.S. And and there's also additional allowance. But, so, yeah, sorry. So, no, yeah. So he had a house in Virginia. Um, last I heard, he hadn't sold that house. That was uh, sometime in 2020 or 2021. Could be different now. Um, his wife is a lawyer. She is not registered to practice law in California. But they own a house there in San Francisco, a multi-million dollar house, uh, at least valued. Well, probably now it's maybe between four to six million, I would imagine, uh, because this was two years ago that it was worth two million. So, so, you know, how and when did they purchase it? Oh, I mean, before he even got moved from D.C., I think the house was a payoff. I think that they put him in that house, gave it to him. As, uh, so, uh, you know, to tell him to stop talking, you know, just leave it where it is. We'll handle everything um, because I don't know that it would be possible for someone, even if they're running a field office, to make enough money. I mean, this is like the, the, the Pelosi effect, you know, I mean, somebody in public service not nearly making enough money to, to uh, sustain the lifestyle that they are, are shown to have publicly. Nancy Pelosi. And uh, the other people in Congress, virtually all of them, should not be able to maintain the types of lifestyles that they do. They have multimillionaire lifestyles, uh, and they're on a public servant salary. Yeah, so but they're not going to do coming. it just willy-nilly. It has to be in a way that's that's lawful, right? And we talked about this. How, well, how, how did they do it quasi-lawfully? I would, so say, that, uh-huh. I would say probably through consulting work paid to his wife. 
because that way Joe Pienka, because we, we can't find anything about his wife, okay? Like, she's a ghost. We know she exists, but she's a ghost. Uh, she is associated with a law firm that's connected to Fusion GPS in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. So there could very easily be hush money payments going to her. That's something that could be claimed on taxes and would look totally legit, but it's not to Joe Pienka. So if you investigate Joe Pienka's finances, all you see is his SES, you know, level, whatever, you know, right, right, right. his, his whatever salary. And, uh, you know, it, lawyers make a lot of money. Uh, lawyers get paid for more than just showing up in court. Uh, so it would be a, a very easy way to deliver some hush money payments and ensure that, uh, you know, and he and his wife are on that house. It's not just him. Ah, uh, okay. So that's maybe how they did it. Exactly. I think so. I now, think so. now let's take a look. Uh, the one thing as it applies to this, remember uh, Carter Page filed Absolutely. a lawsuit? Yeah. And last week, um, he met, he sent me a message. Carter Page sent you a message? I talked to all these people. <laughs> I just, you know, I just want to throw it out there. But I'm always looking for new people to interview. <laughs> so any, right, any, any, any potential linkages you can offer, I'd appreciate it. I recommend you interviewing, doing a very deep dive interview. Uh, if you want me in here as well, but I think you're you're more than capable. Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, uh, Paul be, Manafort. Oh God, that would be great. General be great. Flynn, yeah, and Roger Stone. Do like a five episode series and literally get them to explain everything from their perspective as it applies to this. Roger I think Stone one, I've had on the show a couple of times, but the other people I have not. But, I mean, he, everyone's got a lot to say about everything. But if we focus it in yeah. specifically on this and their perspective to counter what the DOJ and the FBI was thinking when they were targeting them. Mm-hmm. And I get it. They may not be able to whatever uh, because of legal things that they have in their life that I don't I don't know about the details. But th- those are... I think having those five in the same room together will get to get us closer to truth. Sure. Cause they're going to be yeah. able to, you know, especially, and their attorneys. <laughs> let, let, me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this, Ivan, what's your uh-huh. assessment of Peter struck? Because it was Peter struck officially uh, working at the FBI. Uh, but it was reported sometime, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, that he was also somehow an employee at the CIA, but very recently uh, some documents came out where he signed off with a uh, with it, like a section chief title, the 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 title that would be appropriate for him being an employee of the CIA. I was so I was thinking perhaps Peter Strzok was a CIA agent. He was inserted into the mm-hmm. FBI and kind of fulfilled this duty at the FBI. Uh, to do the the wrap up and the destruction of President Trump, uh, fulfilling this Spygate narrative, um, and uh, and it, you know because I've always thought that this was really a CIA operation. The CIA not supposed to be doing business here uh, on American soil, uh, but if they have an agent who's being paid by the FBI, agent of the FBI, uh, that would allow them to use the resources of the CIA to destroy president trump or do whatever they wanted all right so i, I get where you're going with this i i believe that there were paraline parallel lines of effort to make sure that trump lost and to discredit him during the first term 
Mm-hmm. I don't, unless you can provide me something, I don't, I don't agree that, the, I, I think he was just an FBI agent. Uh, oh, uh, well, hold on. <laughs> I'll show you the docs. I just had to, I have to find them, get them pulled up. Because I didn't, uh, didn't have them ready. I mean, is it plausible? Is it possible? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I just haven't seen the. Okay. I'd have to do, I guess, my own validation, right? It's not that I don't trust you or anything, but I want to. I'd like to take a look at it, who, where the source of that information is. And when you're looking that up, you know, the, the components that I'm thinking of in terms of parallel, you had the, you know, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC working one line of effort. I think that the other, another line of effort, and I've said this ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks now that I've been on a lot of podcasts, is we have to look, take a look at the, the Republican side of it. Mm-hmm. That agree. effort. Like the Pence, the Bush, the Cheney, the Paul Ryan. And it may, it may have been separate and parallel, or it could have been somehow coordinated for that to occur, right? The other component is the John Brennan and the 60 signatories, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you bring in the CIA. When you're talking about the CIA, uh, when when they published in, fo, I like to call it Folitico, right? <laughs> right. DC's based main thing. And I, I just pu- published earlier this week, the one hour uh, mentorship that I did to their lead political, the political reporter. Mm-hmm. So here we have a Kyle Cheney. Here we have uh, an unclassified document, U S department of justice, FBI dated 23rd of October, 2015 uh, to Gregory B star assistant secretary bureau of diplomatic security down here. It is signed Peter struck section chief counter espionage section which is a cia department in heading no 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 that, Proper, that's, that's within the fbi so while his the the fbi title it says here should be deputy assistant director of counterintelligence which is what i've always heard was that was his title at the fbi deputy assistant director of counterintelligence section no, chief he, no he was the section chief and then he became the dad Okay. And the okay. and the way yes. And the reason if you bring back if you can do a uh, control F or a find. Yeah. For those two particular titles, not yeah. in this document, but if you go back to that transcript. Right. In the transcript, it'll show you the progression where he was because Pianka testifies that he was a section chief. I'm glad you brought that up because it's fresh in my mind because I was just looking at it just before the show. Well, thank if you, you look very in, much. Action. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's good that we kind of cross queued that because. Yeah. Let me try to pull it up on my yes, end. Then here. section chief Peter struck and redacted in the supervisor of Intel analysis. Okay. I see. And he was what a section chief at the time. He was yeah. a section chief and later promoted to deputy assistant director. And that is uh page 38 line. Eight. Nine and ten. So, all right. Page thirty-eight. Okay. Yeah. Let me share this with the audience. Okay. Oh, they already see it. Yes. Then you, as the SSA, who did you answer to? Peter Struck, and he was what a section chief at the time. He was the section chief and later promoted to deputy assistant director. Okay. 
Thank you for helping me with that clarification. I appreciate that. So, I mean, unless there's something else out there, but that that's how. Okay. Yeah. I don't see any indication of him being CIA. Now going back to the CIA component, uh, you know, it was Brennan. Hey, let's, let's be honest. All they're doing is trying to vie for regaining power that they lost. Right. Of course. Over four years. And they're doing, they're going to create their frame and lie, you know, basically lie, cheat and steal. If you will, in this instance, they lied saying it was uh, had all the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, they're not under oath. So there's no. I guess only Trump can sue him for defamation, right? Because it was pretty much. Or not me, even Trump. I mean, who's the aggrieved party? You have to think through that to see what law are they violating by making this baseless claim that it's has all the earmarks of the Russian disinformation campaign. Okay. Unfortunately, it, it, it impacts the electorate. So check this out. <clears throat> Apparently, uh, in 1996, Congress passed uh, the ability for people to hold joint positions at the CIA and the FBI. A joint SCIA-FBI position was created by Congress in 1996. Um, so I'm it, not saying that that's yeah. not possible. Right. I'm saying that, yes, that is a possibility. Okay. And you're looking at one of the statutes. Yeah. And there's probably other statutes that allow for it. Um, that's all. I'll pause there and stop. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... I don't think in this instance that occurred. Okay. I will. Uh... But that, again, I'm not saying 100% that was not the case. Sure. I'm saying. I'm almost certain that that was not the case that he okay, was joined, but just with Peter Strzok, right? In this, just case. with Peter Strzok, I'm not okay. talking about any other situation. Okay. I see. I, I just, which leaves it open. I know right? that the I know we know the CIA had a massive hand in this. Like, there's just no way that they didn't. I mean, obviously, Brennan was involved. All of these other intelligence agencies. I don't. I'm not sure if it was at, within the crossfire hurricane realm because you got to remember that the CIA, whoever at the CIA was pinged by kevin kleinsmith mm-hmm. remember kevin kleinsmith yes, was a attorney and he asked hey is carter page one of the is he a an informant back to the cia with his role in russia and they responded with no or they responded with yes he's reporting back to us mm-hmm. which makes carter page completely clean and above board right but kevin kleinsmith changed that to a no so uh, real, that, real that, quick, that's Ivan. a strong piece of evidence that makes me believe that the CIA wasn't specifically involved as it applies to the crossfire hurricane okay. and razor component. Uh, so I just need to say thank you to Vector. He says, wasn't Lisa Page in a love triangle with both Peter Strzok and Andy McCabe? I had not heard that she was potentially sleeping with Andy McCabe as well. Uh, also, Alive and Thriving says, Pienka outed, scrubbed from the uh, intel- scrubbed from the INT, I'm assuming intelligence, Moved from D.C. to San Francisco, given the highest BAH payments possible. Payoffs through his wife, Yakuza, CCP tactics, my son Hunter, paint the picture for normies. Yeah, I, I think that that lays out exactly what we think happened. Alive and thriving. Was struck ever really FBI? Always CIA. And then also Cranop 59. Zach, 24 hours late. LOL. Chemtrails, unscientific term. Reason why they wouldn't admit to it. Dane Wigington taught me this 14 plus years ago, geoengineering, aerosol spraying, scientific term, what they are admitting to. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
when I used the term chemtrails, it was a colloquial term. But yeah, geoengineering and the aerosol spraying, that is totally scientific. That's been proven, yeah. <laughs> I'll only comment on a couple things that I'm aware of. Not that last <laughs> no comment on, but the first one about uh, the love triangle. So here's what I, I've read and have heard. Yes, everyone knows about the Peter Strzok and Lisa Page adulterous activity. Yeah. As far as Andrew McCabe, there was one report that was a preliminary report by one America's Chanel Rion that indicated that that might be a possibility, but that was a, a single report. And so I don't know if it was ever confirmed. Okay. So I will at this point say that it is an unconfirmed report yet to be found out. Uh, but in this in this transcript, without having to read the whole thing, when uh, the uh, the minority side kept asking Joe Pienka, "Did you find it strange that Lisa Page was at this meeting, at this meeting?" And then he basically said, "You know what? I didn't find it strange because she was at every meeting. <laughs> she was everywhere that Peter Strzok was." Huh. Interesting. So let let me ask you this: um, There were a couple of individuals that were involved in uh, in, in this entrapment scheme here. I mean. Stefan Halper and Joseph Mifsud, weren't both of them uh, CIA assets in some fashion? So uh, do you think that perhaps they were just lent over from the CIA or maybe they okay, were being okay. directly inserted by? Okay, yeah. Let me clarify my point. I meant as it applies to like this component. The foreign <laughs> on the other side of this. Foreign, equation. that's totally their, their territory. <laughs> right, right. Right. On the domestic front, yeah. on the foreign side of it. So let, let's think this through for, from a broader perspective. In order for Obama, Brennan, James Comey at that level to be able to facilitate a counter espionage investigation into the Trump campaign to then parallel construct a legitimate predicate right you had to try to entrap somebody within the campaign that was already doing foreign policy work to right. try to get this started of course i agree that that is a strong likelihood that that could have happened where oh here's where i'm going to disclose stuff that i've never disclosed sweet <laughs> i had yeah i've had long conversations with george papadopoulos I've had some conversations with Carter Page and two of the other folks. Here's the deal. Carter, or excuse me, uh, George Papadopoulos explained that, and I think it's uh, a lot of this is in his book. He went to Greece because he was a foreign policy advisor. A, a lot of these folks are just volunteers, right? They're not mm -hmm. getting paid by the campaign. They're just there helping right. out early on, volunteers, and they have their own way to make a living. Sure. And, and I'm, I would imagine they, they hope that they're going to get a paid position in the administration once correct, the election's correct. over. Yeah. So George Papadopoulos, General Flynn, I think Carter Page was also unpaid. I'm not 100% sure on that one. So George Papadopoulos is out there doing some stuff in Europe, business stuff. And his he's offered up some sort of a, a consulting fee mm -hmm. in the amount of $10,000. And they said, we're going to pay you cash up front for it. And they basically try to do that transaction in advance. Right, 
Right. So that he takes that ten thousand dollars, and you probably heard of this, right? Oh yeah. Back so to, then he flies home back and to it's Chicago, <laughs> and then there's something called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act (FCPA), yep. and it requires you to declare anything ten thousand dollars and over mm-hmm. that you're bringing in or transactions. Guess what he does? He leaves it with his attorney in Greece. Right. Doesn't bring it with him. Yeah, smart guy. Kevin Kleinsmith is one of the two FBI agents that is waiting for George Papadopoulos at the airport. Yes. Did you know that's that? the part I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Kleinsmith, the same yeah. dude that said that switched it from yes, Carter Page to no, Carter Page is not an informant back to the CIA. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the predicate was for the FISA. And I think that might be why one of the other reasons why Joe Pienka said, you know what? You guys changed that FISA. I'm out. Right. Because what I signed and what you presented that when I testified before the Senate Judiciary, oh, I don't recall. Or my counsel's saying, I'm not answering that question. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is such an intricate web of, of deceit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good. But so, going back to your CIA thing. Yeah, absolutely. So let, I mean, let things me things to look at. Let me ask you this, Ivan, uh, Freight Awakening over on Rumble. And thank you guys for all the the Rumble rants tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, He says, do you think that President Trump will be indicted? Uh, Also, he would like your take on Corn Pop. Do you think he was a bad dude? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's totally. You know what? Hold on, hold on. Let me finish this. Let me finish. Many postulate that he was a good dude protecting kids (laughs) from a pedo lifeguard. (laughs) No, I mean. Uh, let me start with the last one. Okay. Corn pop, according, I have a really good source. And I'm going to have whoever asked that question answer this. On uh, Let's see if he can determine who the source is. Okay. According to my one source, corn pop is the baddest dude ever in the history of American politics. <laughs> Never before has the country ever seen such a bad dude. Yep. <laughs> who do you think who do you think my source is for that? Uh Joe Biden. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> the former SISA director, Chris Krebs. Oh, Chris Krebs. Okay. Never before has the <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Never right? before. Yeah, I get it now. That's that was a little inside, but I, I picked all right, it up. All right. I picked it up. <laughs> what was the first question? I forgot. Oh, we got uh, he said, do, do you think that President Trump will will be indicted? And then oh, the uh, indictment? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Alive and Thriving says, hey, they have uh, I think they have to do something because remember, if they want to ha- install Pence as yeah. president, three things have to happen. They have to either indict or physically, physiologically remove Trump. And the way they probably would do it is John Kerry would coordinate with Iran for. I don't want to say the word because, you know. Uh, you know, Iran wants to w- what Iran wants to do with Trump, right? What they want to they want to. They want to uh, extradite him for the murder of. Uh, they want to delete him. Yes. Yeah. Not, I saw the not video. extradite. I, well, yeah. I mean, so, you know, I mean, deletion would be the ultimate, uh, you know, re- result. But I mean, can you imagine that if the United States were to uh, to actually give President Trump? I mean, I I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going to be, be very clear. I mean, no, that, I'm not saying extradite. Yeah. I'm saying the uh, yeah. the ultimate sacrifice, if you will. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but but I'm I'm just saying the optics of you know if they if for some reason Joe Biden said you know that President Trump gave an unlawful order when he had Soleimani killed, 
And so we're going to extradite him. I mean, it's the kind of thing. That no, I no, no. I'm saying that I'm saying behind the scenes that John Kerry would say, hey, Iran. Yeah. yeah. You can they go would ahead. arrange for an assassination or something like that. I mean, that that's clearly what they would like to do. I mean, they made that uh, that video that. Uh, yeah, that, exactly. And that yeah. was a strong piece of evidence to support why I'm yeah. coming. Exactly. You're sure, on the same. Sure, sure. And then so number two, they got to make sure that Ron DeSantis stays governor in Florida. And mm-hmm. number three. Uh, you know, we're already seeing it. We have the left wing media's kind of pinnacle of investigative journalism trying to present General Flynn as uh, what are they calling him now? Uh, a white nationalist. Are they really? No, are they Chris, saying that? no, 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 Christian nationalist. Oh, Christian. Remember nationalist. that? Okay, yeah. Ago? So I believe in God, and I think that America should continue to thrive. So what a bad person! You believe in God, and you're a patriot. So that must be a bad thing, right? So when you read that long puff piece about him, I call it, it was a puff piece. I mean, it looks like it makes him look like a badass. (laughs) So, but for the left, they're going to translate that into, I don't know, something bad. But the, what is it? Frontline is going to be doing a documentary on him that they're going to release in October. So they're trying to continue to discredit him. And then that'll facilitate the entry into good old Pence, in my opinion. Well, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. Um, if if Mike Pence is like the dream candidate for the deep state, they want to get him into office. Oh yeah, I, it's, I can't. It's, I, it's the Messiah. <laughs> personally, I just can't <laughs> see a world where the Republican base in America would ever vote for Mike Pence at this point. You know, I mean, I just I just can't see it. Uh, when I, you I remove those three names that I just said, when you remove Trump, DeSantis, and Flynn, who's the front runner? Well, I mean, I, I understand your 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 position on it. I understand, you know, your rationale for it. But even if those top three candidates were taken off the board, I just don't see a world where the Republican base would vote for Mike Pence. I, I don't see how they would even be in a position where they would support the idea. I think that there are too many people who are just very, very angry about what happened on January 6th. And then I think that even the people who were like, you know, okay, I could stomach Mike Pence. I just don't think that there's enough people. I mean, I see the world. I see like the the situation that you're presenting with it. But I I don't want. Okay, I'm going to agree with you and I don't want it to happen. But this is how I think they pull it off. Sure. Number one, you got you got to look at the electoral uh, electoral allocation of the states. Right. So right now you have a in Virginia, Governor Yunkin. And I would say that they're going to create the frame so that Virginia's 13 electoral votes are eventually for 2024 going to be allocated to a Pence and not to a Trump, right? So that's third. If you if you do the baseline 232 to 227 of the non-contested states that we just went through in 2020, and then you make some changes based on what just uh, is about to happen in New Hampshire on Tuesday, or not change, but what was about to happen in New Hampshire and Virginia that occurred last year. Mm-hmm. That's so Yunkin is a Pence guy. So then if you own the levers of the secretary of state, the governor, and then eventually the legislative body, you have the all you need in order to essentially win that state elect, electoral college wise. I mean, just kind of bear with me and agree with me on that point. I understand. Okay? Yeah, yeah. If you use that as your baseline and you agree with that, and I get it, you can argue, uh, but let's use, assume that for one second. So that's 13 electoral votes onto the 232. 
uh, of any Republican that'll get. That's 20, 245 right now for a, a Pence. And then New Hampshire is going to go for Pence because Sununu is going to get reelected. That's four. That ended up going to Biden last time. But because it's a trifecta now in, in uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and Sununu, his dad was the chief of staff for George H.W., there's a very close relationship between the Sununu family, Cheney, and Pence. So that's another four electors. And then let's go over and see how things are cooking in Pennsylvania, Maryland, right? Those are MAGA candidates, so that's not going to go in Pence's favor. You got, uh, let's see, Arizona went for the MAGA candidate. We have Michigan is kind of uh, the Secretary of State and the AG are MAGA. The one that Trump endorsed is it's unclear on where her loyalties are, Tudor Dixon. I haven't done the deep dive, but I'm not quite sure she's a America first uh, nominee. But then it comes down to Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin's kind of weird because Tim Michaels, who won the nomination for governor, he was teed up by Ryan's Priebus. Mm-hmm. So while he was endorsed by Trump, it's more of a it was a financial play, in my opinion. Uh, in order for Reince to make some money, position himself to become the chair of the RNC again. And then what's her name? Diane Hendricks, who's the money, you know, she's the kingmaker, queenmaker, if you will, on politics in Wisconsin, uh, self-made billionaire. He, she w- got a call out at that rally a few, like a month ago mm-hmm. by President Trump multiple times. So I'm not sure where Tim Michael stands on whether or not he's going to end up supporting a uh, Pence candidacy as well as Ryan's previous is going to support a Pence candidacy, right? Sure. So then if Paul Ryan's still in the mix in Wisconsin, right, which he is because he serves on the board nonprofit that Glenn Youngkins had started. He's and like a cockroach. He serves on the board of, yeah, he serves on the board of Fox, uh, Faux News, excuse me, I almost, almost <laughs> mispronounced it. Uh, Faux News <laughs> is the proper pronunciation. So right now, Wisconsin is still that battleground to determine if they do not take Trump out in the ways that I mentioned, Wisconsin is still that battleground on for within the Republican Party. And that's why you still have a uh, write-in campaign right now with Adam Steen versus the Speaker of the House, Robin Voss, because that's going to, I think that if Adam Steen pulls off that race in the 63rd District in Wisconsin for the legislative seat, it changes the dynamic of the power structure uh, leaning from Pence to kind of a, it's kind of teetering. It's not clear how Wisconsin will go. Uh, but I think if Adam Steen pulls it off, it'll probably lean more towards a Trump uh, supported candidate candidacy for 2024. So when you, when people say like, there's no chance Pence is polling at 0%, he is, he's polling at 0%. Within the party, I, I, but I think if it's he debatable. Does those things, I, I, I think, think it's, it's a possibility. Well, I, I, I understand. I absolutely understand uh, your your math on it uh, and how it could be. A and I don't want that math. No, Trust I know you don't. The last and, guy that wants Pence. I know. I know you're the last guy that wants Pence. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm just. I don't. You know, I, I think it's clear that Mike Pence appears to be positioning himself for a possible run for president. Uh, just based upon the simultaneous rallies that he attempted to do while President Trump was on stage. That's a clear sign to me. Uh, anytime you see somebody doing that, 
Um, now, mm-hmm. whether or not it actually materializes, that's something else entirely. I have two super chats I got to give here. He does Eli- get more people than Biden, though. Well, he does. He does. He gets more people than Biden. I mean, you know, I, I think a, a corpse propped up on a rake in front of somebody's house is going to get more people than Biden. Alive and Thriving says, Ivan and Zach, please organize a two-hour Pompadopoulos Carter Page roundtable with the four of you. That's interesting. Uh, and then uh, uh, PHS Junior One says, this guy predicted that Pence would do the right thing in 2021. Why should we believe anything he says? Uh, Ivan, did you predict that Mike Pence was going to do the right thing or were you just suggesting that this is what Mike Pence should do? Uh, here, 2020 and 2021 are two different things. Okay. So I'll say this. The Pence card component that everyone's been talking about, they confound it with January 6th. My Pence card argument from the onset was the Electoral Count Act requirement that Pence had for December 23rd of 2020, mm-hmm. which in the statute, it says the fourth Wednesday of December. And I argued if he, if he wanted to be the nominee, the presumptive nominee for 2024, then he would do the right thing right. on December 23rd. If he wanted to go down in history as the weakest, toxic, feckless coward ever for a, for a vice president, then he would do nothing. Now, he did have somewhat of an opportunity to allow uh, on January 6th for the Congress to debate, object, and then allow Kevin McCarthy to go ahead with the 12th Amendment, one state, one vote option on the objections. Mm-hmm. Had McCarthy done it, and then Pence would have had to decide whether he went with the you know, one person, one vote option that Pelosi would have advocated for on the objections versus a Kevin McCarthy, one state, one vote. And so at that point, yes, I didn't say that what he was going to do. I said what it would have been appropriate for him to do. And that's why he's facing the massive consequences of polling at zero because he didn't do what was constitutionally sound for him to do. If I said something before that, I predicted he was going to do that. I don't remember saying that. Okay. I gave the clearest option for him of what he should do. So uh, Mrs. Joyce in, uh, in the chat, Ivan is a retired Lieutenant Colonel previously worked at the defense intelligence agency with general Flynn. He's done a lot of things. If you go to the very beginning of the show, you can watch uh, his, uh, you know, us talking about his resume. Also just happens to be a constitutional attorney. So he's got some perspective on stuff. And I just, I want everybody to be clear. Uh, and I've said this many times, you know, when I have guests on the show, uh, it's not for me to tell you what you guys should believe or what you shouldn't believe. Uh, what I'm attempting to do is have a conversation with people about their perspectives. And I hope that everybody can take the conversation that we have and you can kind of use it to form your own opinions. Mm -hmm. You are free to agree or disagree with the guests. And uh, personally, I think it's more interesting when we don't agree, because that means we have a lot more things that we can talk about. uh, And we have the opportunity to present our opinions and support them with our rationale. Um, And everybody should be comfortable doing that because what are we asking the left to do guys? I mean, Uh, That's what we expect them to do. Uh, That's what we expect that we should be able to do in America. 
and it's what we we've lost. I mean, the left is not interested in a healthy debate. They're not interested in a conversation. They're interested in the total extermination of the people who they don't agree with. And I don't want us to become like that. Go ahead. Right, Ari. right. No, I just wanted to say this, that I want people to like what what you did, right? If you think that I'm wrong on a point, like I, I want people to check my work. Mm-hmm. Because if you blindly agree with my work, it's no one's peer reviewing me then. I want massive peer review because if you bring up a point, like, for example, the CIA thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let me take a look here because, you know, you're really adamant. I'm like, oh, I might be wrong here. Let me let me hear Zach out here. And then we hash it out. And then when we hash it out with the evidence that we collectively know, the argument becomes so much stronger because mm-hmm. if we're doing it amongst ourselves here without you know going after each other that iron sharpens iron we're going to come out of this even with a more powerful argument against the left mm-hmm. yeah and and as far as fact it comes, and law check everything <laughs> absolutely that's why i say do your own research and i don't want anybody to just take my word for it and as far as the mike pence stuff hey man we're gonna find out real quick whether or not mike pence is going to be running for president or if he's going to throw his name in the hat you know, honestly, I think that it's April be at a, the latest. <laughs> it'll be a good show. It'll be a good show if Mike Pence gets out there and, and tries to uh, uh, to convince America to vote for him. Uh, certainly, it's going to give us a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll have, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, interesting conversation and uh, plenty of uh, you know, things to debate and things to, to analyze when it comes down to it. Um, personally, the only thing I want to see is Donald Trump back in the White House and uh, and, and America on an upswing, because right now with the way things are going with the current regime, uh, it's 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 in a bad way. Uh, You know, whether or not you believe that that's everything that's happening. What's important to me is that perception, the perception of failure, the perception, the perception of authoritarian rule. Uh, And uh, I think that right there is something that gives us an opportunity to convince the people who didn't necessarily agree with us during President Trump's time in office uh, that this is not a road we can afford to go down and certainly not something that's going to be sustainable for the future. All right, you guys, I need to uh, go through the thank yous over here. Ivan, it's almost 1030. And I know that we said we were going to yeah. do an hour. And and so let me just go <laughs> and see if we've got any if questions. If anybody has questions. Yeah. If anybody has questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the two cookies put in hollow. Thank you as well. Uh, Insight Gino dropped a can of boneless chicken said, thank you, Zach. Best information on Foxhole. I really appreciate that. Uh, J2 Dank, appreciate that cookie. Navy Vet, man, it is good to see you out there. He says the sealed indictments are now up to 359,000. Back in May, you reminded me that it was up to 318,000. Shit's happening. Uh, Joshua Bain says, yesterday, (laughs) I meant for you and Methods to join DJ Vector in October at the Reawakening Tour. Heck yes, actually, that uh, if and when Vector comes to America, you can bet I will be where he is. Uh, then, uh, filter dog one says, uh, pray for Greenbeard. He was Greenbeard was also in a motorcycle wreck Greenbeard and green card, or I think filter dog one, let me know if you are getting those accounts mixed up because I know that son of a green card was involved in a motorcycle accident. I will text Greenbeard and see if that's what happened as well. God, I hope not. Um, Khaleesi 2020. Thank you for the, the, the shades porpoiseful dropping a cookie. Filter Dog One says, okay, mistake, son of a green card. Thank you very much. Uh, J2 Dank, thanks for that cookie. 
Uh, Joshua Bain says, always a learning experience listening to this show. God is clearly uh, waking, working through you. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Mountain Dog Boy says, uh, buffering even after refreshing three times. Sorry about that. You should be able to reduce the quality of the video uh, in the player there on Foxwell. Sean Joe, thank you for that cookie. And then D Patriot 1776 says, great show as always. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Uh, if anybody has any specific questions or anything that you'd like to, to ask uh, uh, Ivan, you're, you're welcome to drop them into the chats and I'll be happy to, uh, to put that out there for him. But, I have a uh, question for the yeah. audience. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Please help us find more information on Joseph Tienka the third yes. and Bill Priestap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his uh, nephew. Bill, Bill Priestap. And, you know, <laughs> Bill, I think that uh, Bill Priestap, in a manner of speaking, is hiding as well because, I mean, he retired uh, very quickly in the midst of all of this. You know, I mean, just suddenly. Well, you know, didn't he testify at the Sussman trial? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty certain he did. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember what he said right now. I'm pulling it up. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I attended one of the days and uh, my hypothesis remains. They're there just to provide cover for themselves. So did you happen to see that Igor Danchenko is in America and he oh. is actually, he's been at some of those uh, hearings, potentially all of them. I don't know about all of them, but he was at the most recent hearing. Uh, so it sounds, and you know, obviously he just uh, attempted to have the case against him dismissed. That was not successful. So he is going to trial. Are you going to be attending the Igor Danchenko trial there. Is that going to be in Virginia? Is that where the venue is? I I don't like to signal what okay. I what I do in the future. Yeah. Uh in certain circumstances, <laughs> but possibly. Okay. Possibly. Yeah. Cuz like I live that. in Alexandria. Okay. And Washington DC is not too far, neither is the Alexandria courthouse. But yeah, I mean there's a good chance of that. Let's see here. So are you going to be at the rally on Saturday in Ohio? Oh my God. I'm not going to be there. This is, you know what? I'm going to be broadcasting it. Okay. Because I was going to mention this, you guys, president Trump is holding a rally in Ohio next weekend for our friend, J.R. Majewski. I want to make sure that you meet J.R. Uh, because he's a 100% patriot. He's like one of my best friends in real life. And I have like been there with him the entire time. We were picking out songs the other night for him to walk out to at the rally. So um, I'm definitely oh, okay. going to be I'm going to be broadcasting the rally. Hopefully you guys get a chance to meet. And uh, I'm really, really stoked. But no, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. Maybe I should fly out for just this one, man. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Looks like for that one, I'm probably going to be there. And uh, are you OK? You there's the reawaken on Friday yeah. as well, Saturday in Idaho. In I so and you're then, gonna be in Ohio Idaho and then and then No Ohio? no no I'm not doing that okay. one. Okay. Okay. There's a future reawaken, the last one that they're doing, the one after Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if it's announced yet, but uh, mm -hmm. I guess I'm I got a speaking spot. Right on, good for you. Finally. <laughs> uh, so, oh, here we go. Uh, Equilit, thank you very much for the can. Casey says, great show as always. And then Elizabeth also says, great show, Zach and Ivan. Now, I saw that someone had mentioned uh, asking if you knew anything about the missing footage uh, at the Capitol building. 14,000 hours worth of footage that hasn't been made made uh, public yet. Um, I had uh, I did a roundtable on January 6th about a week ago, and uh, it's something we had mentioned then as well. But any insight, Ivan? So the Capitol Police Board is the one that 
manages all of that. And there is no mechanism to FOIA them. Mm-hmm. I think the only way we can do it is through some sort of a, it's tough. Uh, if you can get a court order, but then the, there's really no mechanism to pull it out. Mm-hmm. I think the only mechanism is for us to take over the House and the Senate and then appoint capital board members that are going to be amenable to releasing all that. In the meantime, they probably destroyed everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, oh, I will say one more thing. Okay. The reason why I think they destroyed everything is because, or will, is because when the, well, if the Republicans win in November, Nancy Pelosi wants to be an ambassador to Italy. Sure. And that's, that's a clear, the clearest indication that she is complicit and she needs some sort of immunity uh, and has to leave the country. So it, what is the extradition? Is there an extradition treaty between <laughs> Italy and the United States? Uh, I mean, if, if Nancy Pelosi was uh, made an ambassador and she left the United <clears throat> States and she could somehow gain the protection of the Italian government, clearly Obama has a bunch of uh, people over there. Uh, and Italy had something to do in 2020 with the theft of the election. Uh, so I could see that. I could absolutely see Nancy Pelosi asking for some type of asylum. But is there an extradition treaty between our two countries? I'm sure there is, but I think I think the thought process probably for her is that she's going to be an ambassador. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about it. For extradition, it's the executive branch to the executive branch. So if we make the assumption, which is not a good assumption to make, but from their perspective, I think they think Jiden remains for the full four-year term, mm-hmm. right? And so she has that immunity for the duration of that four-year term. And if Congress wants to investigate her and subpoena her as an ambassador, she's she can just say, you know what, great, I'm not going to respond to you. Right. Because so she's performing her duties at another place. So she has that immunity, if you will, okay. from right. congressional oversight. Okay, I can see that. All right. Uh, and then uh, let me see. You guys. De facto, uh, maybe not de jure, but yeah, she's basically just going to play it that way. She could say, yeah, she could say she's busy with, uh, you know, her duties in Italy and just can't make it. Yeah, I mean, drinking people wine. Have, people have blown up gelato. For a you lot know, less. she loves ice cream, so it's probably gelato yeah. the whole oh, day. Oh, yeah. You know, good busy. gelato, some of that good red. <laughs> uh, uh, Fredo says, considering Ivan's background, I was curious as to his familiarity with our favorite Anon and how he sees it. Great interview, gentlemen. And Ivan, we actually discussed this a little bit earlier today, and you were telling me that you uh, you, you don't have any specific uh, um, familiarity with it other than just what you've seen out there. Who's our favorite Anon? Oh, that's Q, Q. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, people expect me to know a lot about this stuff. We, you, You've gone down this rabbit hole. I've glanced at it from the periphery. And it may be if you've been following my kind of podcast and this may be old for some folks, but I think for me to better be able to answer anything related to the letter after the letter P mm-hmm. is to know which FBI analysts from the Phoenix field office published, I think, in May of 2019, yep. the theory on that letter and... You know, they're the FBI's perspective, if you will, on that letter 
And I want to know all the underlying evidence they use to come up with that assessment, meaning the sources, the public uh, uh, media sources that they use, all of it. If we can get us, or at least some of it, if we can get a sense of what that's all about, I think we might be able to get to learning more of who's behind it. Because, I mean, why would they expend a lot of energy from the Phoenix field office to write something like that? And then it was declassified, right? Because usually you don't get those declassified. There was a relationship. Uh, I, I, when I researched this previously, and I'm sorry, my mind, my memory is fuzzy on it at this point, but I felt like there was, there was some, uh, like it was either the wife, uh, the, the, it was, it was a female FBI agent who was married to somebody else that, uh, was somehow publicly stating negative things about this or, I'm sorry, I just, I remember that there was a relationship involved and I feel like we had kind of narrowed it down. Uh, to who had likely been the author of it, but it was some time ago, and I just, I don't remember. Uh, Twin Rivers says she can be recalled from her ambassadorship, right? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, clearly she could be recalled, but uh, I just don't think that that Biden or Jiden would uh, would do that. And Alive and Thriving says, uh, if, Ivan, if, if Patel Patriots theory comes true and Patriots move before the midterms or 2024, do you think Nancy Pelosi would get arrested? So I think yeah we didn't kind of finish this off at the last roundtable. Yeah, I think the the conclusion. So I think and the meat the the sausage making of his theory and my theory or my analysis is different, but I think the end state of both comes to a similar conclusion that there is going to be a reinstatement. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a reinstatement before 2024 mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to advocate for, sure. and I'm like literally. I got to be careful what I say. I am literally very passively monitoring that it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to use those words. Okay. I'm very passively making sure that it happens. <laughs> or I observe <clears throat> that it happens. Sure. Meaning three states decertify. The new Congress does the right thing over the course of those 17 days. Did I, did I brief that to you already? Yes. Yeah. We talked about that. Okay. President Trump becomes Speaker of the House. And then we go through two and a half weeks of things that need to happen in order to convert the psyche of the American public uncensored. Right. And exposing all of the fraud and corruption, not only electoral, but the entire FBI, DOJ, everything, right? Mm -hmm. Biden family, et cetera. And uh, we get a reinstatement. If that, should that happen, then absolutely. uh, Here's the deal. In order to become an ambassador, you have to be appointed. And then the Senate has to confirm you. Mm-hmm. So depending on the construct of the Senate, I mean, if she's giving indications of that, she's probably already had a conversation with McConnell to get the or at least you know, if, if it's a 50 50 construct, if she had a conversation already with, I don't know, Mitt Romney. Well, then she already has her confirmation. Right. It's in the bag. She, she doesn't have to worry about anything going on in the House side, because right. I think most of us would agree on the House side. We're going to pick it up on the I, Senate I side. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be a pickup, but even if it is a pickup, I mean, all you need is like one or two, two of these establishment Republicans to side with the confirmation of Pelosi that were complicit in, you know, everything that we saw. Mm-hmm. And right now we have at least seven members of the Senate, current members. One of them is going to be gone, Burr, but the seven that voted to convict Trump, 
I, I make the assumption that they're going to probably want to confirm Pelosi. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, sure. I would I would tend to agree. Cassidy, uh, Romney, Toomey. Well, Toomey's retiring, so is Burb. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, uh, Elizabeth G. Thank you again. Death Blossom 17 says, RP, you mean the world to us, brother. Really appreciate that, man. Uh, Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. P Quest says, go to Ohio. Uh, Sean Anon says, hey, bro, curious to hear what Ivan's, Ivan's thoughts are on the FBI's initial purpose to cover up crimes. Curious to hear what Ivan's thoughts are on the FBI's initial purpose to cover up crimes. And I guess I don't know which crimes you would be referring to, but uh, also, Cranop59 says, my opinion, Q served its purpose, help awake, helped awaken the sleeping populace. Yes, and th- that's what I've always said. You know, I think that that was, that was the initial intention. The intention was to wake people up. We fell asleep, America got taken over, and, you know, it, it felt like there was nothing that we could do. But with enough people becoming aware of the criminality, enough people getting activated, uh, getting involved in their local elections, running for office. That's why my friend Jr. is running for Congress and is going to beat Marcy Kaptur, a 40-plus year incumbent in Ohio. That's why we are seeing these movements take place, and that's why I think we're going to take back the House and the Senate. And I think that that's why, no matter what happens, Joe Biden is going to be clipped at the nuts. <laughs> He's not going to be able to do anything uh, from here on out until he is deposed and President Trump is reinstated. But uh, Sean, if you could just elaborate on what crimes, what initial crimes are you referring to right there? Uh, and then also Mighty Patriot, thank you very much. Yeah, I, okay, you guys, I think I'm going to have to go to Ohio. I'm going to I'm gonna call <laughs> JR as soon as we get off the get off this stream. Get me a good seat too, if you. If oh, you're going. dude! Oh, you know, you know, we're going to be backstage, brother. <laughs> no, you got to go, man. You got to go. Yeah, I can't. I got to get a picture with President Trump, you guys. Yeah, I have. I got to get a picture with President Trump. If I can get an interview with President Trump, okay. You're so going. What do we have okay, here? so that's that's locked in. While oh, yeah. you're locking that in to to you know get into that Ohio rally, uh, two things. One, we got to respond related to the FBI. Bottom line is, I. Mean, I, I there's very limited evidence to showcase that over the course of the, let's see, 1908, 100 and, 114 years history of the FBI. If you can show me one year where there wasn't a scandal, uh, I'd like to see that. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so mean, it's, it's not it's, like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why that's why I meant, you know, which initial crimes? I mean, like it's been corrupt <laughs> since its inception. He says, uh, and thank you, Ivan, for offering another 40,000 foot perspective for us to consider. Much love and respect, RP. Uh, and thank, then thank Great Awakening. What is Ivan's take on Pompeo? Good guy or bad guy? This one's always been uh, touch and go for me, too, because, you know, anybody that heads up the CIA, I just got to assume. But I was also thinking initially maybe President Trump put Pompeo in there to rein the CIA in. What's your take? That that's a good question, actually. And I think overall, I, I like Pompeo. I, I think I would lean more towards he's definitely he's on our side. Okay. He's on our, okay. And then I Sean- haven't seen any. I haven't seen anything to indicate to the contrary. Yeah, is he thinking about running for president? Yeah, you know, obviously there's a lot of people. He's they're vying for a position. Right. 
Right. I just don't see he, he's probably going to back away if if they don't end up indicting Trump. He's pro, he's taking that neutral position, if you will, because I haven't seen him publicly denounce the raid. Have you? No, no, I haven't. The people and- that publicly denounced the raid, I mean, you can see the prominent ones that denounced it, like Flynn yeah. immediately denounces it, sure. right? Uh uh, who else? I mean, all these bigger named attorneys like Sydney, I'm sure I think she's denounced like everybody's denounced it. And then those that aren't denouncing it are playing the neutral stance. And those that are saying are defending the DOJ and FBI are definitely working counter to Trump. Mm-hmm. So Pence made out the statement, right? He said, hey, you can't go after the DOJ, Liz Cheney. You can't go after the DOJ. So I think that's a strong indication of where people are at. And okay. then I just sent you a text message. If you can pull up. That's the referenced uh, bulletin that I sent to you. If you can, I don't know if you can post it up on the screen, can, but it's the um, FBI's Intel bulletin from 30 May 2019 that I referenced about the letter after P. Anti-government and identity-based and fringe political conspiracy theories very likely motivate some domestic extremists to commit criminal, sometimes violent activity. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I want to know all the underlying sourcing behind this. And I also want to know what motivated someone to write this. Because I always ask the question, when, when you're looking at something as part of critical thinking, why are they doing it and why are they doing it at that time? So what's going on in 30 May of 2019 and who is in the position to benefit the most from this publication? Because people just don't do stuff willy-nilly off the cuff just because they woke up that day at this point it was really starting to gain popularity in like general culture and there was a lot of discussion about president trump having some level of awareness about it or participating in some way but i i think you're right you know that those are the things that that we do have to examine and sean said was the initial purpose of the creation for the for the creation of the fbi to cover up government crimes and misdeeds. So the FBI's very inception was as, um, you know, some type of cover-up for, you know, all the illegal stuff the government wanted to do. I mean, it has, it has the mission statement. The mission statement is to protect American citizens in the United States Constitution. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can be the judge of whether or not they've provided right. that. Yeah, I think in some instances, yes, but over the last two years, particularly, think of think of the speed and the amount of resources that were immediately applied to go after First Amendment rally goers that were on the Capitol grounds and inside the Capitol mm-hmm. and how many agents were deployed to focus in on that as opposed to real legitimate espionage cases from China. Oh, sure. Real and then also threats from our foreign adversaries. And and we really don't have a firm number either on how many FBI agents assets or, you know, cutouts were present on the ground on January 6th with the, you know, express directive to ensure that things went the way they did either. Um, also, uh, Mountain Dog Boy says the FBI, CIA, and ATF got to go big time. Yeah, you guys, have we talked about the pistol brace ban that's coming? Uh, undoubtedly, you know, be very aware that if you own a pistol brace and it's on one of your, your like your your AR pistol, or if you got it on anything, 
it's probably going to make what you have immediately an NFA item. It's going to make it a short barrel rifle and you're, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I don't know if they're going to try to take all these pistol braces or if they're going to force us to register in some sort of amnesty period. But yeah, I think the ATF absolutely has to go. They are uh, more than infringing on our Second Amendment. Navy vet says, uh, Zach, tomorrow through the 17th lines up biblically with Matthew 10, 11 through 17. Rally in Ohio, uh, Q on the 17th. No coincidences. I am so stoked about going to this now. Uh, and then let the hold arrest on, begin. <clears throat> yeah. One, one other thing. September 17th, 1787, America 2.0 was created under our current constitution. You're talking about that the, is the corporation. No, no. September 17th is the U.S. Constitution Day. That's oh, when okay. New Hampshire became the ninth out of 13 states to be to ratify the, uh, you know, from the Articles of Confederation over to the U.S. Constitution. So I argue that needs to be a federal holiday mm-hmm. designated as such. And a uh, September needs to be U.S. Constitution Month. And every organization in the United States needs to have a constitutional officer. Constitution, equity, and inclusion. (laughs) (laughs) So my my buddy Colin, uh, who calls into the show all the time, uh, he had this vision for something called continued competency training. And the idea is that all of these public servants who swear an oath to the Constitution don't understand it and, and they're not actually serving anything but themselves. So the idea is that anybody who serves in a position of public trust has to take a comprehension test uh, every year about the Constitution. Every year, yes, to show that they understand what it is they are actually taking an oath to and what they're supposed to be serving and what their duties are supposed to be. And if they can't pass that comprehension test, then they can't hold that position of public trust. And it's very simple. It's very good. But, you know, obviously the people who are uh, corrupt and psychopaths and already in office or who have taken an oath but really don't give two rips about it, they're not going to be interested in putting something like that in. But if we get some America first people in Congress, you know, people who do know the Constitution. Joe Kent. Yeah, we can try for it. We can try for it. All right, you guys. All right. Well, we, we have got to bounce, you guys. Uh, so uh, Ivan, <laughs> Ivan, at the end of the show, I always like to ask people, you know, what do you want the audience to take away from our conversation? I think the biggest thing that we discussed tonight, I mean, we went a little tangents. Or the number one takeaway is – we need to find out more about Joseph Pientka III in a polite, professional manner. We want to give them an opportunity to come out as a whistleblower, uh, present himself to who? Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. Chuck Grassley, and others to shed some more light what was not shed during his testimony the last time. And I think the motivating factor behind that is that he's, he's probably the person in the best position that America with what we know is going to treat him the kindest mm-hmm. uh, on what he did or what he knows. So please take a look at him, do as much research as you can with what you have. I know you have a lot of viewers, so I know there's people out there that have the ability to, that have access to databases, right? Through their, a lot of diggers out there. Do you happen to know uh, 
the 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 first name of the young man that uh, you mentioned, the uh, relative of uh, Bill Priestamp, the nephew. You can tell me off air. You can tell me off air. If you want. <laughs> I won't. I won't tell you. I just. Oh. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing that he might have a nephew. Okay. Okay. All right. Plausible deniability. I understand. <laughs> All right. And uh, I also needed to say thank you to Jody earlier today. Jody actually sent me some Bitcoin through uh, the Cash App, Lisa's Cash App, I should speculate. It's Lisa's Cash App. And I meant to send a heart or, uh, excuse me, I meant to send a rocket and it sent an ear of corn as my response. And I just wanted to (laughs) let you know, Jody, that I didn't mean to send you an ear of corn. Like uh, out of context, it it looks strange. So just wanted to say that. All right, you guys, uh, really appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Thank you so much to everybody for your generous support. Uh, if I didn't have you, I wouldn't have a show. And if I didn't have your support, then there would be no reason to be here. So I uh, appreciate everybody for hanging out with us tonight. Ivan, I appreciate you coming back and spending the time. And uh, thank you for your plucky resolve, your many decades of experience <laughs> and uh, and insight. I really appreciate being able to have a, a conversation with you, having you on the show and, and, uh, and calling you a friend. And I look forward to Same seeing here. you next Same Saturday here. in Ohio. That's going to be yeah, awesome. I'm gonna all right, I'm going. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right, you guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, let me pass out these gold pills. And uh, actually, how do I do that on this new and resv- and and, uh, and and updated pill? I got to learn go. about all this. Gold oh, pills, dude. cookies, uh, Matt, red 1776. pills. How many pills do you have? Uh, I just they just uh, donated twenty one thousand nine hundred and fifty five gold pills, so that's like two hundred nineteen dollars. I really really appreciate that, you guys. You're you're, you're awesome. Uh, we're gonna get Ivan on Foxhole, and then uh, and I'm gonna get him in touch with Matt. Right, after, don't go anywhere, Ivan, because we're gonna talk after the show. But I love sure, you guys. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, I'll see you Monday. This is awesome. <laughs> Good luck and God bless. Peace.